Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. This is Eat and Drink with Ali Hassan and Marco Timpano. The podcast where back of house Ali and front of house Marco talk food and drink. Heads up. These two spent decades in restaurants, so some mature content and language is bound to come up. Get ready for Eat and Drink. Forks up. All right. Well, this is a very exciting episode of uh, Eat and Drink. Yeah. Uh, we're going to focus on them both a little bit, but we're going to uh, focus on, uh, on on some another element that Marco and I have no idea about because we're a couple of baboons. As yeah. Have fair enough. Picked up on uh, listening to this show. We don't do any food writing, so we're very very excited to have a food writer in studio as a guest. Marco is sitting here, uh, anxious to. Uh, to give Jenny a, a big plug, a, a, a nice intro that she did, that she she so richly deserved. Yeah, so you're listening to a special episode of uh, Eat and Drink. I mean, I feel like I got that. I feel, feel so? like I, uh, yeah. Didn't I it think, feel special the way I said? Not really. Okay, all right, no, it, go it, ahead. It had some special. Mo- well, that that's Ali Hassan, by the way. I've been mentioned, but we have a great guest in the studio today, like you said. Uh, welcome, Jenny Arena. Thank you. I am super happy to be here this, today with you guys. And if you want to look up, who is Jenny Arena? You obviously, yep. you've probably spent you know hours and hours poring over our images. Yep. Uh, over who wouldn't? Many, right? But if you want to see what Jenny looks like, Jenny is at Fables and Focaccia. So stories and bread. I mean, right away, what a great, right? what a way to get people in. Uh, I always say that, like... I would be the worst spy in the world. Uh, not because I don't like torture or anything. It wouldn't even come to that. It would just be, tell us everything you know. And I would say no once. And then they would be like, here's some sourdough and some butter. And I'd be like, what do you need to know? I'm out. I can't. Is, is that going to is, is, is it, it going to get worse than this? Because yeah. this is the worst thing ever. Okay. That I have to look at sourdough and not eat and it. Not eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to – so right away the uh, the name of your uh, website appealed to me immediately because I love it. Yeah. How did you get that name, by the way? Okay. Well, it's actually a great story. Thanks for asking. Um, and Look at you. You think I thought this came out of nowhere? Of course there's a story behind Jesus, this. It's a story man. about stories. Jesus. Tell us the fable behind Fables and Focaccia. Okay. Well, Fables, I'm a storyteller. I've always been a storyteller. And um, I came to the realization as I was teaching people um, one of the recipes that I make um, that Behind everything that I do, there's always a story. Whether it's a family story, whether it's a food story, there's always a story. So I wanted to incorporate the storytelling aspect to my blog. So hence the fables. Focaccia is actually twofold, and and you kind of touched on the love of bread. And I'm a God, a carb lover through and through. Mm-hmm. I love my bread, and bread is the one kind of unifying thing that I find throughout. Most cultures, like every culture seems to have a version of bread. So I was like, this is this is a, a you know a symbol of life and nurturing, pretty much worldwide. Second, focaccia, I was like, okay, what type of bread are we going to talk about here? Focaccia, which comes from the Latin panis focaccius, um, has a double meaning. It means heart and it means fire. And so to me, the fire, which is the kitchen, is the heart of the home. So hence mm. the uh, hence the play on the words fables and focaccia as the title for the blog. Are you a fan right. of focaccia? I am. Uh, you know why I like it? Why? Because the olives, I like an olive focaccia, the olives don't have pits in it because those people respect other people as human beings. They respect their teeth. Unlike uh, uh, Marco's uh, people, uh, his, 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 I don't know what, what you want to call them, the pizza makers that he loves, they put olives with pits in the uh, right there in, on, on the pizza. Can't he's, see. he's got a problem with that. I've, I've tried I'm, to I'm teach a, him that it's the right way. I don't think you're going to get flavor issue. There's I don't think you're going to get Jenny on, your, on board with this anti pit. I like focaccia with olive, especially. Okay. And when it doesn't have a pit in it, I like it a little bit more. That's I like, all I'm saying. I like focaccia because it's like a very old recipe. Am I am I right? Absolutely. It's an ancient Roman recipe. Tell us about that. And so you're a food uh, storyteller, too. You're a food journalist, a food storyteller. Uh, tell us about focaccia. So that's the thing with me. I love I love getting to the root of it, right? So mm. for me, it's like you 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 talk to me about pasta. I'm going to do every bit of research that I can to find out the origins of that pasta, the origins of that bread. Um, so, again, it's 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 something that dates back to, to Roman times. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, just a, um, a quick bread that could be made in, in the oven, um, very little leavening in it. Uh, just simple ingredients, so flour, water, your salt, um, again, unleavened, so it was quick quick and easy to prepare. Mm. It's a flat bread, and uh, you didn't have to have a lot on hand to prepare it. Easy to make make a mess of it, though. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people on one of my favorite shows, The British Bake Off, try to do focaccia, and they just 
They just where does that? Where does the mess start? Not enough kneading, or what? What, what happens? Where can it go wrong? Uh, I think giving it the proper time to rise is important if you are using the leavening, because now mm. these days everybody expects focaccia to be thick and fluffy and yeah, filled well, with air I was pockets. Surprised yeah. Because I don't know about the old days of focaccia. I've been eating focaccia for maybe twenty years, and it's always. I would say at least two inches thick, always a little thicker than a pizza, you know? So I didn't know about uh, unleavened. In fact, I was going to ask you about that. I always thought it did have some sort of rising agent. Actually, it. It, will also, it will also depend where you are because I'm I, um, in body, for example. So my boyfriend is a sous chef. Sorry, is a sous chef and he's Barez. And, and body is in, just so you yeah. know, uh, I'm sure you know, Ali, but for our listeners, if you look at Italy like the boot, body is in Puglia, which is the heel. That's what we're focusing on in this story. Exactly. And so in body, there will be places where you will still find them making very thin focaccia. In fact, the focaccia that his family makes is the thin, very thin, unleavened. Um, The one that most people are familiar with, the two inches thick, usually needs time to rise and Mm -hmm. and just let the the yeast kick in and do its thing and and rise. So that's that's a big thing. You've got to give it the time that it needs to rise. So those were the mistakes that they were making on this? uh, I don't remember, but they made a... It's a great uh, bake-off show. I love it. They've got the Canadian one. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, I hear good Uh, things. Yeah, okay, but I won't go into that right now. I want to talk pasta because you mentioned pasta. I hate bucatini. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's it? We're going to yeah, leave it yeah, there? Yeah. What pasta do you hate? Is there a pasta you hate? Because uh, pasta shape is so vital. And I yeah. feel like not a lot of people give credence to the pasta that is in the sauce yeah. uh, that you have. It The pasta correlates to the sauce. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jenny. Uh in, in such a key way. And I hate Bucatini. That's all. I 100% agree with this correlation. I'm going to say I really don't like macaroni. I don't like the small... I like farfalle, um, nice. fusilli, these things like... They've got a little bit of size. You know, you get a fork into a couple of them and the sauce comes on. Macaroni, it's like I'm stabbing that thing seven times just to get two macaroni on. Yeah. That was stupid. Give me a spoon. Now I'm eating this with a soup spoon. Anyway, I, actually, macaroni and soup's not the end of the world. It kind of makes sense there. But a dish of macaroni. But when you're saying know, macaroni, what are you picturing? I mean, I'm picturing a couple of things. Macaroni, you know, this mac and cheese. Yeah, uh, because that's the thing. Then macaroni with a bolognese sauce, that right. kind of stuff. I would rather, yeah, I would rather noodles. I would always rather noodles or a good hearty uh uh, a good sized, even like those big, what's bigger than a, rig, a rigatoni? Not quite manicotti, not rig, but bigger than a rigatoni. There's another one that's like pretty huge, but if you have the right type of sauce, it's amazing. I don't know what's bigger than a rigatoni. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of the Let's name say for rigatoni. it too. It's, okay. a, it's a tubular yeah. pasta. Yeah, though. It okay. is, yeah it is. a big tube, but not as big that you wouldn't stuff it like that. But anyway, okay. I like that. But it's funny that you say macaroni because in Italian, macaroni actually refers to more of a noodle, like a large noodle pasta, almost like a straw, like a drinking straw type size. Okay, but then so. that would be close to what he hates. That would be close to a bucatini, right? Well, the yeah, bucatini is like a long pasta that has a hole in the middle, yeah. worm-like for me. Worm-like. I think it's Roman, too, uh, Bucatini, if I'm not mistaken. But is this an anti-Roman the, episode? I is think so. My, 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 my ancient roots go back to Rome, right, 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 uh, right. which is funny. But anyways, uh, give us some insight on pasta. As a food journalist, what what intrigues you? What, what brings you life or joy when it comes to pasta? I am all about artisanal pastas. I love I love seeking out like the handmade pastas. Going back to the macaroni, uh, one of the things traditionally from Calabria, the southern region where my parents uh, hail from. So if you're looking at the boot, it's the toe of the boot where Calabria is, if, if you don't have a map handy. Now, I just I wonder, is there a way that you can explain that without being as condescending? If there is, I mean, there probably isn't, as based on what I know about you, Marco, but if there's a way to be a little less patronizing when you tell people where those cities are, you think about that. Listen, it's well, my part of Italy. I can be as <laughs> fucking patronizing as I want. Well, you're doing a great job. Well, good. You're doing a great good. job. Anyways, back to the toe, or the part that kicks Sicily. It's like That's you're explaining. Right. It's like you're explaining. It's point the kicks Sicily. All right, so anti-Roman, anti-Sicily here. Yeah. Okay, what else do we got? Uh, so yeah, just, so yeah, past- jumping Back to the pasta, we have a, a, a pasta that, uh, you know, my, my uh, grandmother, Nonna, taught me how to make. And it's, uh, they call it macaroni al ferro. So um, pasta along the iron, I guess, if you will, mm-hmm. doing the translation. And uh, they would literally get like a sewing needle or a knitting needle and literally roll the pasta like over over this okay. needle to form the tube. So I, I just love. 
of like stories like that, that visual sure, sure, of sure, like sure. the old grandma just, you know, uh, at her table rolling out like thousands of these macaroni uh, for the family. So uh, while we're on the note of, of pasta, I just want to, I was going through your recipes and you have a number of recipes on fables and focaccia. One of them is called sawdust spaghetti. Yes. And I've had sawdust. Uh, yes, I the, think I fed you some. Yeah, you sent me. It was actually a, um, it was a uh, vegetable patty. It was like a, a veggie burger, but it was it was the late nineties, and it was the Eve brand. And I was like, this is of course sawdust. But no, I haven't had sawdust. But uh, this name is this from like an Italian thing? Yes, that's that, actually a very traditional Sicilian dish. Uh, even though Marco was kicking Sicily in the butt. Yeah. Earlier. Hey, listen, I love Sicilian. Uh-huh. So this is the, this is an area of Italy he that I don't want to make enemies with. Eyes, with uh, exactly. I love Sicilian. So in Sicily, they're patron saint is St. Joseph. So, uh, San Giuseppe. San Giuseppe, that's right. And one of the one of the dishes that w- is typically made to honor St. Joseph in March, March 19th is the feast day of St. Joseph, is this sawdust pasta paying homage to their patron saint who was a carpenter. And... Uh. Um, Huh? The sawdust is breadcrumbs, which were used because, uh, you know, Cucina Povera, the rustic poor kitchens, they didn't have Parmigiano cheese. That was a luxury. So this oh is the poor gosh. man's Parmigiano. Oh, wow. I really, honestly, I love a good story, but you see the value in a story. Yeah. Because it also, it's like the origin stories and the history and explaining why people eat the way they do. I really, really like that. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. I, before we get off pasta, I want to mention that if you have, if you're making artisanal pasta and you have one of those uh, crank pasta machines, never put that in water when you're mm-hmm. done with it because it will rust. Yeah. Always just dust it with flour um, to remove any of the pasta, uh, any of the dough that might be there. Uh, clean it even if you use like a like a brush, like a painter's brush, like a like a boar's hair uh, painter's brush to clean it out. But that machine never get it wet because it will rust on you. Is this more a message to your wife who's uh, ruined the last one you owned? No, no. Uh, uh, no, because we don't make our own pasta. Wow. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, friends of mine have purchased it or they want to make their own pasta. And they're like, Marco, can you tell me? And I'm like, the one thing you need to know is don't get that wet. It's kind of like the gremlins. Don't get them wet. Yeah. <laughs> don't feed that machine after midnight. You know, stuff like that. So there you go. Uh, Jenny, other interesting stories, maybe ones you've written about or things that are like factoids that you're like, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but blank. Well, the, the poor man's Parmigiano is one. And then um, not too long ago, I actually wrote about something that which Marco actually educated me on. And so then Damn I Damn straight. Let's, let's just to, highlight that. <laughs> I had to research it a little bit okay. more. But um, one of the things that my grandmother used to do for me when I was younger was she would make me an espresso. And with the first few drops that came out of the espresso oh. pot, she would whip it with some sugar to make this foam and then sweeten my coffee with this foam. And I had this beautiful foam on top of the espresso, mm. which as a child, I probably shouldn't have been drinking, but right, we won't right, go there. Um, which I learned, again, is the poor man's cappuccino. And that was something that Marco actually told me when he served me a really awesome cappuccino. I had no idea. It's called cremina, or a lot of people refer to it as cremina. And what it is, is uh, the sugar binds with the first bit of uh, espresso, and it becomes um, almost like cement. Almost like, oh. I'm trying to think of a consistency of that cremina, but it's... It's, it's very, a, it's, it almost is custardy in a way. Yeah, but without a fineness. Yes. And like this a, is the sugar mixed with? the Just the beginning, the crema of the coffee that's the made. If you're making a, yeah, okay. yeah, if you're making a bialetti, it would be the first little bit. If you're making it with a hand crank espresso machine, yeah. just the first uh, th- two seconds that come out. Sure. And you need very little... Like a tablespoon. Yeah, very little yeah. coffee uh, compared to the amount of sugar. You whip it, and it becomes this uh, this creamy type of sugar that you put in your coffee, and it really livens your coffee in a way that's that's hard to describe. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it creates almost like a froth on top. Yeah. Yeah, hence, hence it being sort of the poor man's cappuccino, right? Which I think a lot of these recipes were created because in the South they didn't have very much. Like milk was not something you had unless you had a cow, unless you were a farmer and had a cow. Or traded off with a farmer for for some other goods you might have. Uh, Cheeses, you know, these types of things, right? So these were all luxuries, rarities. And and so hence, I love these. I love hearing these stories about how how they could stretch something and turn it into something else. Sure, sure, sure. And you brought two desserts and you are very much, although, uh, would you consider yourself, uh, are you Southern Italian as well? I am. I'm I'm Calabrese. Yes. And in fact, I should have known. This is the joke about Calabrese. It's the same joke about vegans. How do you know 
somebody is a vegan, you just wait. They'll tell you within a couple of minutes. It's the same thing with Calabrese. Right? Of, course. of course, they'll yes. mention it very soon. So she took some time to bring it up. Yeah. You mentioned it 17 times an episode. Of <laughs> that's the way I do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm half that's Calabrese and half Freelon. And so yeah. I feel like I run the gamut of Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. One thing that fascinates me, Jenny and Ali, to a lesser extent, um, when it comes to Italian food, these items will all of a sudden become like there's certain Italian food items that all of a sudden become huge and become the in thin. So stuff that I had as a child that nobody knew about, like polenta in the 90s became a huge thing. You're seeing a resurgence of things like burrata. Everybody wants burrata. Five years ago, nobody knew what, what burrata was. Mm. I did, but no one else did. Uh, ninduia, for example. Mm. No one talked about ninduia. Nobody knew how to write it. Nobody, and now everyone's like, ninduia this, ninduia that. I have a ninduia face scrub. You know, everybody <laughs> has... Do you everywhere? Is that true? Because I'm going to go and buy one. Oh, yeah, I really <laughs> like that sausage. It's very delicious. All right. Okay. Are there things from Calabria that people don't know yet? That is like something that you've always had, or something that's like here's something that in five years' well, time. But should she tell? I mean, should maybe we keep it a secret no, just no, between no. us? Otherwise, it's going to be exploited, and it's going to be the whole. Uh, the I whole want the, chicken wing situation. I want people to know they heard it here first. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So a couple of things for sure. Uh, one is um, there's actually a liqueur and it's called uh, liquorizia and it's for, made from licorice root. Mm-hmm. It literally, you're literally drinking licorice and it's amazing. And so that's something that's very much Calabrese. Um, mm-hmm. That is a, a drink uh, alone as a liqueur on yes, ice or li- mix? Uh, uh, you, can, you can mix it. You can yeah. create a mixed drink. I'm sure if we give some to Marco, he could whip up something yeah. pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's different than ouzo, pernod, or... And a set, it's it's a different taste uh, than that. It's got a more uh, fine herbal taste to it with a licorice, I don't want to say undertone, overtone. Fair? Is it a little mm-hmm. more medicinal Absolutely. if it's it, really connected to the root? Licorice root does have a medicinal. Certainly. Great yeah. for digestion. And I think licorizia, uh, which you'll see in uh, candies, if you're in Italy or you can take Italian candies, you'll see it'll say licorizia on it. Um I believe a lot of those amaros and those uh, liqueurs that are herbal were actually made uh, for medicinal purposes. And a lot of them were actually made by monks mm. who were herbologists or who were like like really into herbs. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the liquorizia. Um, in fact, one of the you can drink it straight up. One of the other uses that I've seen for it in Italy um, is to just serve it strictly over ice cream. It's amazing. So like a nice good gelato uh, and, and a few drops of liquorizia on top and mm. you've got a phenomenal dessert. Uh, the other thing um, that's becoming more popular, um, so bergamot is uh, is a crop that grows uh, in, Italy, in Italy, in southern Italy, in Calabria. Uh, it's it's in the citrus family. Um, People I, would know it from Earl Grey tea. If you drink Earl yes, Grey, exactly. that's a So kind of a cross flavor. between like a lemon and an orange. Mm-hmm. Um, very distinct looking. It's like a greenish yellow skin. Um, so it's that, like a bastard cousin <laughs> to the orange that had sex with a lime for lack of a... And then really produce an ugly offspring. That, that's, a, that's a great way to describe it, Marco. Yes. If I was an orange, the first thing I would do with it, it would be to have sex with a lime. I love lime. Yeah, I know Lime's you my thing. Yeah. So I don't know why you said it, so disparagingly mm-hmm. as like this stupid orange, this wayward orange. Okay, maybe like a... Uh, you know... Um, not a, a sun-kissed orange, not an orange that you get in the supermarket, more of a rough sort of uh, orange that grows on a tree. That's what bergamot looks like. It looks like it looks yeah. like a really ugly green orange that has like a thick um, pockmarked skin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Calabria produces more bergamot than any other place in the world. And is it eaten like an orange? Can you also just no. eat this... I, I think it's only used for flavoring. I think I, I don't. Oh, I, yeah. I've never seen anyone eat the actual fruit. No, I think it's the more oils. A, yeah, yeah. But actually, though, uh, oh. there is. They have produced um, recently, and and ironically enough, Calipo. And if anybody's a tuna fan, uh, Calipo tuna is made in Calabria. Um, and and this this factor actually produces way more than tuna, which I learned last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually make a bergamot jam. Oh, um, so there you go. That they've started importing here to Canada. Um, so I was actually trying to find some to bring to my Calabres host today and couldn't. <laughs> I was incorrect yet again on this show, Ali. <laughs> I mean, I think we've told listeners, assume assume false 
Until otherwise, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is here. Yeah, exactly. But what what about the bergamot? Were you going to say? No, I was just saying that it's growing in popularity. Okay. Even in Italy, I'm seeing a lot more products with the bergamot. So as a flavoring, as a like no, as a central ingredient, like bergamot being like the bergamot jam, right? Okay. Uh, so it's it's becoming more of a predominant flavor. In uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I had something just on this very note. I had something. Bergamot has been on my mind. Um, oh, sounds like a beautiful song. <laughs> I've got bergamot. On my mind. Now, here are two brands. Never mind the rum for now, but I'm going to show. I'm going to put a picture of this uh, on, on our website. That is called Madison Park Gin, Yum. and it is called a breakfast gin. Ooh. This is this is the funniest thing about Quebecers how they can normalize anything. Day drinking, we'll call it a breakfast, gin. but it's because of the the bergamot, bergamot. and that bergamot. It, it it's it's gin that has been steeped in tea flavors, so you really do get. And honestly, I I found it. Uh, obscenely delicious, uh, and yet I never got a buzz. I was pretty kind of upset about that. Oh, but what are you going to do? Three glasses. Of- Back into the booze. Oh, I'm you are. Again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so, oh, so is weekend. that your bottle? No, I didn't bring it back. We went to an we went to a, what's called an SAQ, the the the, the liquor outlets in, and it in was Quebec. That in is Quebec for, in Montreal. Right. It was too small. It didn't carry. It carried their main gin. It didn't carry the breakfast gin. I see. You got to go to one of the bigger stores, and it was Thanksgiving week, and we didn't have time to go get it. Fair enough. But uh, but I will get that. I will make sure nice. I get that. I really found it very very interesting. But you kind of made a face when you said bergamot. Is it not a, a flavor you're totally down you know? With? It's just not one that I was I was very familiar with growing up. Like it's even even though I'm calabrese, uh, like th- something like the Nduya. I, I grew up eating, so mm. it's more familiar to me. Bergamot, not so much. However, I, you know, I have discovered it. Um, it was one of those things that uh, that got brought back last year when my parents made their trip. So they actually brought back a really nice bergamot liqueur. Yum. Yeah, really nice. And I want that. <laughs> I want that. I love bergamot. You can I make love... a breakfast anything at yeah. that point, right? <laughs> but, like, picture that, picture that liqueur when you make pancakes. So you get you make pancakes a little bit of bergamot and you have your pancakes with a nice coffee or a tea and I love an Earl Grey tea so for me yeah. bergamot is often associated with breakfast or or tea for me yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, I could totally see that I could totally see that as a, a wonderful ingredient that you use not to mention in cocktails I think that would be a great a great thing yeah the yeah. liqueur is actually quite nice I yeah. have to say and the jam I, I really enjoyed the jam as well so that's it's cool. it's a flavor that's growing on me in terms of. That's good to know because I feel like it's like, you know, you're hot or cold on that. Like yeah. my wife, Earl Grey's her lowest choice of it. Really? She'll have like a, what do you call those? Like a tisane, a herbal tea yep. of some disgusting thing she's never heard of before, before. she goes for Earl. Yeah. So it's what, obviously it's that bergamot flavor. Where do you flavor. sit? On the bergamot tea. Way up high. Up at the what? Earl Grey. I First choice. Oh, nice. First choice. See? And there's an Earl Grey beer. Oh. Uh, oh. Dominion City, I think it's called in Ottawa. Dominion City Brewing makes mm. this Earl Grey beer. Damn. It is really, really good. Nice. It is really good. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Love it. Bergamot, lavender, those flavors to me are just beautiful. Um, before we move on to another topic, anything that you want to mention before we get off this uh, uh, ingredients of Calabria that people might not, or dishes? Uh... Uh, you know what? I think it's just uh, what uh, what is pretty common and are more sort of the earthy kinds of things. We sure. we are we do live like we are surrounded by the sea, so of course you get a lot of great seafood dishes. Yeah. Tuna, as I mentioned, the Calipo tuna factory. What I love about Calipo tuna. Yeah. Do you know the whole thing that they're doing against the mafia with the Calipo? No, I don't. Okay. This is a. Uh, this I, sounds I'm, like a good subject for a future blog post. Let's get the gossip. Oh. oh, it's such a long thing to get into, and I'm pretty sure it's Calipo. But the owner of Calipo would not pay pizzos. Is that pizzicos? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you call that in uh, English? The, the um, when a mafioso makes you pay uh, to have your business not be. Uh, trashed or, or yeah. targeted or sure, whatever sure. it's called protection, something a protect yeah. yeah so he refused to pay the protection he's like enough like uh, it's a real problem in parts of Italy where the mafia still has a stronghold that they'll do things like this and it's not necessarily known worldwide but this this gentleman who has this company was like enough I'm not paying it if you want to destroy this company what's going to happen is you're going to make all these people get unemployed who are working and then you'll see what you have on their hands so the mafia is like. Uh, I don't know what we can do here because if we were to do something to this company and all these people who are employed by them are out of work, 
who's going to get attacked next? What's going to happen, right? So they've stayed away from the, from this this uh, entrepreneur who's now developing a gelato uh, company and hotels, and he's refused to pay into the mafia. And as a result, he is now getting a stronghold, and other businesses are uh, also doing that. And you'll notice in some parts of southern Italy, they'll have in the uh, storefront a little sign, a little adhesive, a little sticker that says. Um, Anti pizzico or anti, I don't. We don't pay into mafia okay, uh, okay. Here at this store, and people will shop there. Anyways, he was one of the, and I'm pretty sure it's Caliposo mm-hmm. owner who did that. But I'm sure as a food journalist, you can look into. I it know. I would tell sure. that you got me really excited. I'm like, That's this is. I smell a blog post. <laughs> there you go. Fast forward 20 years, it's gonna. You know, everything comes in cycles. Sure. There's gonna be little stickers that say "Mafioso, welcome here." Right? <laughs> yeah. Sad mafioso walking around. What Nobody's paying do? us anymore, and then <laughs> finally, it's gonna. It'll turn. Hey, if the mafia is listening, things are gonna get better. Okay, it gets better. Now, besides your uh, uh, blog and the uh, various magazines that you've contributed uh, food food articles uh, to, you also work in food development. Yes. And um, would you say it's a cuisine creation? How would you describe yeah, recipe it? Recipe development, That's I would call I it. Yes. Yeah, so I've I've been uh, contracted by brands, a couple of the a couple of the Italian brands that people might be familiar with are Misura and uh, Bauli. So Bauli makes these amazing panettone and croissants. And he doesn't like oh. panettone. I love yeah, panettone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You know what I'd be willing to try is a panettone French toast. I'd be willing. Oh, to that try is that phenomenal. Way. Great yeah. way to use up French. Great yeah. way to use up your I panettone. Think, yeah, for sure. Actual just panettone like that. I just it's, you don't know how to eat it. That's the problem. <laughs> well, you dip it in your. What did we went through this? What do you do? You dip it in your tea. What I had no. First of all, I'm drinking espresso, so I'm drinking an espresso cafe latte. Okay, we were just talking about Earl Grey. You said you love it. So I'll, listen, uh, I'll dip it into tea. I'll dip it into just about anything. Just about anything. Okay, that's horrific imagery there, but thank you. But you yes. know, it's a beautiful side to anything. I think part of the problem is people in North America are so used to things that are so covered in sugar mm-hmm. that when you get a simple sweet bread that has raisins and candy fruit. But you know that I don't even have a sweet tooth. I know. That's what that what's what boggles my mind. Right away, the candied fruit, go fuck yourself. I really don't like candied <laughs> fruit. Jenny, I don't know what else I can say to him to eat panettone as is. Is there anything any in, in, you could shed on this? I, I will say if, if you're the type of person who enjoys cutting a sponge into pieces. It's not a sponge. No, not by any means. A well-made panettone is... Is a great dish sponge. Do you know that they have to hang the panettone upside down? It's a three-day process to make panettone. Actually, I was... I respect that. I obviously respect that. No, clearly you don't. Clearly you don't. I respect it, but if we ever had a dirty pot of some kind and I brought a panettone and I scrubbed (laughs) that pot, you would see how good that thing is at washing your dishes. They got to hang this fucking thing upside down (laughs) for a day. Okay with the upside down already. They didn't, I don't think, they didn't even hang Christ upside down because they knew it would be too traumatic. You know, they did some pretty bad things to Christ. Though. I'm not <laughs> they sure did. if you're... Okay, right. <laughs> okay sorry. You were talking about panettone. I was just... Okay. I just wanted to say, if you're not a fan of the candied fruit, panettone has come a long way. They've mm. got some incredible panettones with, like, really, really good chocolate bits in the center, dark chocolate, milk chocolate. You can get it with cranberries. There's just a whole array of, of different panettone now that... So if you're not a fan of the candied fruit... Mm. You may still find a panettone that you like. I may take a dark chocolate panettone and make a French toast with it. For me, that feels very exciting. I think that could be amazing. Do you know what else is really good with What's panettone? That? Tiramisu. Make oh. a tiramisu. Oh, shit. With panettone. I never thought of this. It's pretty phenomenal. Because it soaks up the coffee in a, in a manner in which nothing else will soak. Sponge-like, sponge if you will. Like, if I will, I will. <laughs> thank you very much. And then you put the mascarpone cream with that. Phenomenal. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're missing out. You, you could take a get mini, to live. You could take a mini panettone, slice it up, put it in a large ramekin with... I, I know what I'm making this Christmas for yeah. you and my family. All right. All right. Merry I'll Christmas. There you go. Panettone tiramisu. <laughs> but, okay, so when you're developing, so how do you go about, we get off on these fucking tangents, right? And it's then we don't, we don't talk no, to our we're guests creating, about. We're creating. We're creating. Panettiramisu. You just made a little blend yeah. of there something. It's amazing. Tiramitone. There you go. And then we got a nice story. Wow, yeah. these three goofs were sitting in a sound booth one day. Yeah. It was, well, let's uh, say two and a nice person. Two and a nice person. We're sitting in a booth and they started jibber jabbering and uh, the sweat from the heat of the of the booth that they were in got them thinking crazy and that is where the tiramitone was invented there that's you a go. great story how do you come up with a recipe like what what happens does the company say to you here you got five ingredients figure this shit out we want to sell it or 
Like, how does it how does it come to be? Sometimes they will ask for something specific, okay. um, which I'm more than happy to to deliver on if it's a product that I believe in. So let me just jump oh, in and say that. Oh, she's got scruples. Yes, this one. I do. So, like, I worked with Bali because you to invite somebody with integrity. What's going on here? We don't need oh, this. Man. We don't need this shit in this booth. Just kidding. We have integrity where we have to delete bad things we've said about companies. We're like, ah, oh, come on, listen. But uh, like, I mean, I love their product. So when they approached me and said, "Would you would you work with us?" I said, "Absolutely." I mean, I feed the croissants to my kids as snacks. I buy the panettone at Christmas time. So it's it's a product that I'm quite happy to work mm, with. Okay. Um, so they they had worked with some other um, bloggers or influencers who had developed, a lot of them were kind of doing the, um, taking taking it apart and not really, so maybe like somebody did a, um, uh, like a, a, almost like a baked French toast casserole with the panettone where, you, you know, they shredded it all up and you didn't really see the essence of what the product was. So one of the things that they had asked me was um, try and keep the product like, like its integrity. Right. So kind of keep it in its form so that people are familiar with this what is the panettone, the we're, panettone talking about, we're talking about. Right. OK, this is going to so be there, challenging. There, so Bowley's like echo. Here's the panettone. Yes. Do something with it. Don't destroy its shape or form. Yeah. Like keep keep it so that like if you're slicing it, people know that it's a slice of panettone. Okay. Right. So I was like, OK, so what am I going to do here to be different? Like I can't do the tiramisu because that's been done. Like I've already I've already done that as something on my blog. The tiramisu. Yeah, the tiramisu. Okay. That's well, right. We didn't invent that. So. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we did. I feel, feel like we fucking named it. We, we deserve some credit. I think we just credit. coined it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think straight. we just coined it. So when it came to the when it came to the panettone recipe, I was like, okay, well, um, if it's good, you know, people make French toast out of it. That's great. But let me do something a little bit different. And so then I was inspired and I was like, you know what? It's a sweet bread and you can make sandwiches with sweet bread. So I pulled out my panini press and I filled the, uh, so I sliced, I, made, I let it go stale so it could get like nice and sliced. Um, uh, you let the panettone get stale so yes. it was a bit harder? Yeah, so it was so a little it was, bit harder. Was, uh, okay. Yeah, because uh, that way putting it into the panini press, it would hold up, right? Okay. So how do you let something that has a shelf life of eight months get stale? <laughs> like what is the way to do well, this? Well, panettone, the interesting thing about panettone is when you open a panettone, it's very soft and sponge-like. But if you don't recover it in the plastic or in some sort of container. Within like hours? Within, within I would say an hour and a half to three oh, hours, yeah. it's going to start to get dry. A dry. dry. Moist, moisture just in yeah. this case. And exactly. It's still edible. And in mm-hmm. fact, dry panettone is one of the best ones to soak into your coffee. So you allowed it to get dry. I allowed it to dry out a little bit. And then I sliced it and I filled it with um, some roast turkey, some brie, and some cranberry sauce. Okay. 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 And I put it in the panini It was just a classic panettone with the, uh, candy with the candied fruit and the raisins. Yeah, because you're not going to use a chocolate one. No, no, no. no. Of course. I'm trying to see if we're, we have a sociopath in the booth. With us, or are we a normal human being That's who's fair. a bit of a visionary? That's fair. Turns out you're the latter, <laughs> or is it the former? It's the good one. The good <laughs> it's one. the good one. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. So I thought to myself, let's make a sandwich out of the panettone, mm. and so I did this really kind of like interesting take on a grilled cheese or a, a panini in the panini press, and again, so just turkey, some cranberry, yeah. roast turkey, um, and uh, and some brie cheese to get the melting factor, yeah. and uh, and I thought it's perfect because it's a holiday bread, kind of a holiday-ish sandwich with the with the ingredients, the cranberry and the turkey, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so. That was the recipe. And you always have leftover turkey and you're like, what can I do that's different this year? Yeah, yeah. Boom. So there you go. So that was the uh, so that was the panini, the panettone panini. That wow, I that's did pretty for... awesome. I have to say, I was expecting to like fake. Oh yeah, that's a nice recipe. But I would have that. <laughs> the first real moment we've had with you in the booth yeah. since we've been here. <laughs> Finally, your fakeness is gone. That's good. Yeah, okay, that's good. Bring it that's back. good. Let's all right, all right. Let's let's bring it back. Right, right, let's, let's bring it back. <laughs> so that was that. So it, sometimes sometimes I, I'm given direction on on where to take the product. Other times they let me uh, they let me get creative. I do I do have to run the ideas by the company first. Mm. So I did tell them. Listen, I'm thinking about this panini idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's run with it. It sounds great. And then these are, uh, are there videos as well of you making them? I d- I'm no, just just in the last couple of years, I started doing more video of, of uh, the process. But yeah. uh, before it was just strictly kind of the photo, the photo sequence of what was happening. Yeah. yeah I've noticed that uh, some people just video is like they've just lost the ability to read recipes. I really like uh, recipe books that have the stories, you know, like I'm yeah. To be honest, I'm not going, I'm not following recipes. That's mm-hmm. just not what I've ever done. That's why I'm not a great baker. I'm, I just, uh, I get this vibe of sort of like, I don't need you to tell me what to do, but it's like, it's a recipe. I could probably mm-hmm. calm down on that, right? But so I get inspired by recipes, but I never follow. So the stories are what I get excited about. But I've noticed more and more people like, don't really have time for that. Like, hey, I don't need your little novel. And then the recipes get me to the recipe. So the fastest way to get the recipe to people 
you know, they put up their little iPad or whatever it is, and, and, and right there in the kitchen, they can pause, they can, you know, as they're doing it and following right along. So it's, uh, I think it's great. I think it'll be great for you to do to do videos also. You've got a good uh, presence for the camera oh, too. People won't be looking at a... An ogre, uh, although you know even ogres can can make great dishes. Hey, Shrek, huh? Yeah, huh, Marco? you and me, you and me on the road. Uh, <laughs> what the? As a food influencer, um, influence our listeners, food wise. <laughs> you know what? For me, if Put I'm the gonna pressure right on. <laughs> if I'm gonna influence anybody to do anything, it's literally to just get in your kitchen and cook because okay. people think it's so intimidating. And you guys have talked about this on the show as well. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not that difficult. No. You know what? Yeah, maybe you can't come up with the inspiration right away. Like most people wouldn't look at a panettone and say, I'm going to make a sandwich out of that. Yeah. However, you know what? With practice and like playing with the ingredients, that's how you that's how you develop your skill set. Right. I mean, I, my, one of my favorite things to do is like at the end of the week is I look in the refrigerator and I'm like, OK, this is like the cleaning out the refrigerator meal. Sure. So what can I come up with? Those are some some with, of the best meals. Exactly. Though, right? And they are. They're some the of the best meals. The great frittata that can come out of that, you know. With Just the, this morning with my leftovers from Thanksgiving, I, uh, I had some leftover ham, a couple of stuffed mushrooms. Uh, so I chopped those up, sauteed them, uh, you know, threw an egg in there, made a frittata, put it in a tortilla, threw some cranberry sauce on it, and there's my breakfast burrito. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. And I, just I, for I, our I, listeners I, who are, like, puzzled because it's not American Thanksgiving that's yet. Right. They're, ah, like, yes. What are they talking about? Uh, Canadian Thanksgiving happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. We, yeah. we celebrated in October, whereas Americans will celebrate it in November. That's so. right. I mean, I'll eat, like, a pig again in that November U.S. weekend just twice just because yeah, I want to be, like, a good friend to my course. American neighbors. But uh, otherwise, yeah, ours mm-hmm. is gone. Ours is past. Columbus Day. Columbus, Columbus Day is what we, uh, which feels that that's not really something. To no, and I never celebrate it. I'm glad you brought it up. I prefer to respect the indigenous people of, of both lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Fuck oh. Columbus. All right. Let's get back to uh, you as a food influencer, as a writer, and as a food developer. Um, is there something that we haven't mentioned yet that you want to bring forward? Because I feel like we often go on tangents and then our, our outside of the booth is when our guests are like, oh, you know what? I did this and I did that. So bring I, us that yeah, sort I don't of... think we go on tangents, think... Marco. But if you want to put that out there like that, I'll, I'll support you in this moment. Okay. And then I'll explain to the listeners what actually happens later. <laughs> Please, uh, please continue, Jen. I'm sorry uh, ju- no, you know what? I just wanted to jump back to, to what I was saying before, that it's not difficult to get in the kitchen. I mean, um, you know, and, and like you were saying, the recipe can can be a guide. You don't have to follow it to the T. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's so many times where I'll see something and I'm inspired by it and I'll do my own take on it. I'll, totally. uh, I'll genify it, if you will, right? I, uh, I'm like, okay, I've got the basics here, so let me just play around with it and come up with my own take on it. The only thing where I feel, to, you know, I need to interject there is Uh-oh. that when Uh-oh. I make something. Here we something, go. Here we go. Hold on. This is Jenny and I are connecting for okay. a second. Will you? Fair enough. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah, I'm holding on. Can you hold on? I'm holding I said, on. Hold I'm on. holding as, hold, as hard as I can hold. You know when you make something and it is delicious and people recognize that and then you give them the recipe mm-hmm. and they go, I couldn't make it like yours. And then you go, oh, what did you? And then they, yeah, instead of parsley, I used basil. And I didn't have uh, Parmigiano-Reggiano, so I just used cream cheese. Yeah, idiot. Of course it's not going to... You have to use the same ingredients to get the same flavors first and foremost. Fair. Sometimes, in the cases of like those talented grandmas, you can do all the steps perfectly and you still don't get it quite where grandmas... And that makes sense, right? You know what? I'm a firm believer in it's the hand that makes it too because I... Case in point, my daughter, she's a a meatball snob. Mm. She will only eat my mother, her nana's meatballs. Yeah. My mother has like worked with me side by side on making those meatballs for whatever reason. Mine just don't taste like hers. And my daughter can pick it out. Wow. Oh, and a taste test? Mine taste test would be... She clear? can totally pick it out. Sure, She's sure, like, sure. these aren't Nana's meatballs. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe Nana was tired today. And uh, come on. Um, but yeah, I think I think I, I believe very much that recipes should be a guide and a source of inspiration. But if you're trying to make something taste like something that you've already eaten, you've got to follow that recipe. Yeah, That's all right. there is to it. Right? I so guess. Now, Jenny made, brought, and made some fantastic-looking dessert. So you had interrupted me earlier. This is what yes. I was going to talk okay. about. I'm going to grab the dessert while Please you... Please grab the okay. dessert. Yeah. <laughs> well, I call you a piece of garbage in you, behind your back. Um, I was... Uh, the reason I was going to bring up these desserts is because we were talking about Calabria. We are talking about Southern Italy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this idea of not wasting. 
And this is what you said with this dessert. So I just wanted to sort of set this up and you can explain uh, that concept, which also goes uh, so deep to the heart of a lot of food history, why things are created, you know, mm-hmm. and how they were made. Yeah, so my big thing is, again, growing up, nothing ever went to waste. Like, it was that whole kind of, like, back home, parents, you know, my parents, like, snout to tail when they when they slaughtered a pig. Like, every part of everything got used up. Amazing. Yes, and, and I firmly stand by that to this day. Like, I, it, it pains me to throw out food. It really does. It saddens me to no mm-hmm. end. So I try my very best to always use up everything. Ali chucks it out his window when he's driving <laughs> away from my house. No, but that's the chicken wing that I've eaten the chicken off of. The, the bones go out the window. Chicken wing is an interesting <laughs> thing to bring up because chicken wing is this perfect, what you're talking about, people used to toss the chicken wings in North America. They would toss the chicken wing. I know who the hell wants the wings. Yeah. Then somebody, whatever, the story is some dude in Buffalo or whatever. Frank and Teresa's anchor bar claims it. <laughs> yes, yeah. right? So they, they, this guy tossed it in some hot sauce. Teresa, boom, actually, we got chicken. The Teresa, mother, yeah. the yeah. mother, tossed yeah. it in hot sauce. Boom, you got some chicken wings. So, so you went from something that was tossed out to something that was now not very costly. We'll sell it for 15 cents a wing. Goes up to 25 cents. Now, now a wing night. You're lucky if it's like a dollar a yeah, wing. wing night. That's a special. Now you have chicken wings. 15 to 20 dollars a pound is very, very common. And for those who know the history, you're like, you sons of bitches. This, you were throwing this out. Yeah. And now you're exploiting. Anyway. And while not unlike, and Marco, you can you can jump in on this one too, zucchini blossoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. People, farmers used to like throw those things out. Those were just like, okay, this is what this is what the zucchini is going to grow from, this flower. Yeah. And, and the reason they throw it out is they'd pick it so that they wouldn't have too many zucchini growing on the vine, right? But farmers didn't see the value of the zucchini blossom. And now... You're seeing it everywhere, everywhere. but Italian, my family, uh-huh. anyways, I want to say Europeans because I know the French do it as well, uh, would make all kinds of dishes with zucchini flowers. What are the, I know deep, I've had the deep fried, what else? Uh... Uh, so my mom would get the zucchini flowers and she would just cut them and put them in with the vegetables in the minestrone as well. Yes, like a yeah. nice spring spring vegetable soup. Oh, yeah. uh, again, deep fried or stuffed, battered with and it. fried. Uh, one of the things I talked about on my blog actually this summer, there's a Tuscan dish where they call it scarpaccia, so it's called like the sole of a shoe, the yeah. sole of a shoe. yeah. And it um, it's almost like a, a savory corn cake, um, and it uses squash blossoms, zucchini, and uh, and. I and was right on it, uh, looking at it earlier. Uh, the dish with soul. A little bit oh, of a nice. pun there because it uh, looks like the shoe. Yeah, there's a, I I really, I'm a big fan of zucchini. In all of its forms. Mm-hmm. When I make a raita instead of cucumber, I use zucchini. Yum. Zucchini bread, great way to get kids to eat zucchini without their knowledge. My mom would chop the chop them on up like matchsticks or a little bit thicker. Julienne, sure. Yeah, julienne. And she would make them like fries. And she would tell, tell us, I'm making fries today. And we would have them. I guess I was pretty stupid as a kid. Yeah. But it was like, oh, yeah, we're having French fries. But they were zucchini. zucchini. Yeah. That's great because yeah. your parents probably had a great garden. So like, Oh, yeah. Get, we had a two-tiered garden. So it was like tiered. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. But I want to dive into these. Okay, so before me is a beautiful-looking array of uh, dessert that even has a sexual kind of-ness to it. Would you say? Would you say? I mean, I'm erect. That could be a (laughs) pre-existing thing, but I believe it's because of... I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but they're pleasant to the eye and to the ear. They're called, uh, you called them peaches, but there must be an Italian name for pesche. these. Pesche. 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 Yeah. Okay. So describe what I'm about to eat because I've had these before and I will be quite honest and sincere. These are some of the best pesca I've ever seen because oh, sometimes in you. bakeries, you can tell the person doesn't give a shit and they look barely like, they look like a peach you would never want to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to eat this while okay, you talk. Okay. So right. this, for the longest time growing up, oh, I thought was, was something Jeez. very... You- uh, <laughs> Was something very uh, calabres that came from our region. I learned uh, I learned later on after doing the research on it that it's actually a Tuscan uh, pastry. But uh, this is perfect. This is perfect. Oh, this you. is the best I've ever had. And I'm not saying it because you're in here. This is the best I've ever had. Sometimes they put too much liquor in it, and it just feels like you're eating um, you're eating a sock of fucking rum. And this is not that. Yeah. 
So if I could describe it as anything, it's not a sock of rum. Sorry. <laughs> great, great no, that's fine. Great, great uh, so it basically, it's a cookie um, that uh, you um, is two halves. It gets hollowed out, um, and then you fill the hollow in the in the peach. Uh, traditionally, it was filled with the same crumbs that it gets hollowed out with, mixed with like an apricot or a peach jam, maybe some almonds, and then you restuff it, and and you've got your peach cookie. So that, it would look like the the pit of a peach when you do that. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then. And it gets rolled into, um, and then it gets rolled into sugar uh, to give it that peach fuzz appearance. Sure. And if you really want to take it to the next level, sometimes if I'm doing it for like an event or, or like an order, uh, I'll I'll add like little fondant leaves on it just to to really do full peach. To, to do full peach. And, and, but this is coloring then on this side. So this, this red, okay here, and this is great because this is because uh, there's history behind this coloring too. So uh, here in Canada, uh, when I make them, um, it's a little bit of white vermouth that I tint with food coloring. Okay. Okay. Uh, traditionally, they are made with an alcohol, a liqueur from Italy that's called Alkermes. Um, now, this, uh, the origins of this liqueur, because uh, again, I, I love the story is it, behind everything. Is this everything. liqueur like a like an apérol? Like, does it look like that in color? It's kind of it's it's kind of like an apérol. I would call it a, maybe a cross between an apérol and a campari because it's yeah. kind of pinkish. It's yeah. not really red. It's, it's not more really of a orange. cooking alcohol. I feel like it is. I, I, I've seen it in Italy, but I've never like I've never seen it. Like you wouldn't ask for it on ice. Like no, that's in just, fact, the yeah. bottles when you when you pick up a bottle, it'll usually have like a little cake graphic yeah. on it or something because yeah. so it's, it's used a, a lot in baking. Yeah, it's a liquor that's used for baking. Mm-hmm. That's so how I know it. Yeah, uh, this li- a weird name too. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, and I'm actually going to get to the Great. name. Yes. Uh, so as you know, in the south, like Sicily and Calabria, we have a lot of influence, like a lot of Arabic influence because of all the invasion, Spanish influence, this, that, and the other. Right. So this is actually an Arabic um, uh, liqueur, and uh, its base is uh, uh, cinnamon, coriander, star. And cloves, and it used to get its pink color from oh. an insect. So they would dry these uh, cochineal insect, if I'm pronouncing that That's correctly. That's exactly how you pronounce it, okay. and they still use that insect in food coloring. But go on, yes. I'll tell you so more they about would that dry, they would dry this, and then use, and then use it to give the the liquor its uh, its pinkish hue. That is no longer the case now. I mean, unless you're going to like a legit, <laughs> oftentimes very legit. Just FYI. A lot of the food coloring that that is used when they say natural ingredients, mm-hmm. they use the cochineal beetle in it. My wife is highly allergic to it. Oh, and wow. they don't identify that they're using the cochineal beetle in that ingredient because it'll turn people off from mm-hmm. eating it, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but... What, this cute guy would turn people off? Yes. Yeah, I actually have a picture of it right here. But it's as a, a res- quite, uh, disgusting quite yes. I think it's And uh, my wife can no longer eat red velvet cake, oh, certain wow. chips, because it doesn't identify there's cochicno beetles in it, mm-hmm. and uh, she has an allergic reaction to it. Oh, my gosh. It, so, All right. Well, yeah. these have no alkermis, so she's fine to eat them because I made them with uh, vermouth. It's, it's, <laughs> did you make those today? Because so, they're, they're, they taste like they, the cream in it tastes like it was made to like the, the cream, cream is, is I made it last night yes. the, the yeah. cream is, is the cream is, pheno- is phenomenal yeah, like I, is I've never I've never had pescat uh, sincerely this this oh wonderful. thank yeah. you yeah. so yeah so I made uh, okay so this is what I do when I make them these actually make a really big batch so I will make them hollow them out and then freeze the cookie shell and then you know when I need I'll pull them out so I pulled out uh, a bunch of the shells last night so that I could fill but I did make the cream last night to fill them with now, uh, going back to the center, which I am not a big fan of the cookie crumbs mixed with the jam. I like to fill them with custard or sometimes even Nutella because I'm a bit of a Nutella fiend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what I decided to do was uh, I was like, I can't throw away these cookie crumbs because I'm about not wasting, right? So I came up with the idea of making these Nutella truffles. Oh, so I take damn. the crumbs. Should I be tasting this You should for probably taste the truffle right. too, Marco, to give everybody yeah. just a little. <laughs> so, Ali, who you may remember from 19 episodes, is on a... A, uh, dietary restriction where you can't eat great food. I'm and I'm so right very now. sorry about this, Ali. No, 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 you don't have to be so sorry. No, you should be apologizing to <laughs> you. Exactly, but, exactly. as they say, more for me. Okay. <laughs> so what I do is I take those crumbs, I uh, I process them down into a bit of a finer crumb, and then I'll combine them with Nutella and some hazelnut liqueur, and okay. then I roll them in chopped hazelnuts. Okay. And that so, hence the Nutella truffles. Oh, looks like a little protein ball, huh? I mean, I mean, would it be that bad for me? This is something you would really like because yeah? it's not super sweet. Okay, uh, you would like this. This is a dessert for you. I'll probably have yeah. one. I'm, I'm really cracking over here. I'm really, in, <laughs> I'm this, really this enjoying this. That custard looks so. This good is sweet, it. but this is sweet without being super sweet. It's the it. perfect. It's the perfect accompaniment to coffee. Yes, they go great with a cup of coffee for sure. With a hint of Nutella, but it's not overly Nutella mm-hmm. in flavor. 
Boom. Yeah. I do like it. Thank okay. you. I do wow. like it. It's perfect. Oh, my God. For our listeners who are like, okay, these bastards are describing things I've never seen. <laughs> Can they find this recipe on your website? Will you put this up? I will be sharing the peach one. we won't, unless you send it to us. I can, totally, I can totally share it with you, or I'm more than happy to share the link. I, uh, I will be putting it up on my website. Great. Um, because it's it's just one of those things. Actually, the peaches is what kind of prompted me to start writing my blog in the first oh, place. Oh, wow. Because it was in teaching people how to make these uh, that I started telling the stories behind it. And then that's when I realized that, A, it would be really cool to teach people how to do these things and maintain these, these traditions. And, B, I love sharing the stories, so... How meta, how meta is that? Yeah. That the person who writes stories that illustrate dishes brought in the thing that had the story that made her want to start doing all the it's, writing. Do you get it? I'm a little, I, I'm no, not no, sure I'm over it. here. Do you get no, it? No, 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 I, I get it. I'm a little get. confused, but I'm trying to <laughs> no, get it's it. It's amazing. I'm so happy you brought this. You chose to bring this out so, of all yeah. things, even though I can't, you know. This enjoy is fantastic. Like How do you feel as someone who doesn't love sweets? About I really that? like it. Really? But I haven't had sugar. <laughs> okay, so it's very sweet for you. I haven't had sugar since early September. So for me, that was pretty sweet. Yes, I can imagine. And I feel like a little pain in my head immediately. But I'm glad... Because I was going to crack and I was going to like right. just uh, da- this, put my entire hand inside the <laughs> custard and wipe it on my face. This is sweet. And then okay. and, and that I probably won't enjoy as much as somebody. Okay. I, I generally don't have mm-hmm. a sweet tooth and I know he struggles with that, but I find this very enjoyable. Oh, These wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Will, will you put this recipe or no or fuck people? This no, is this too is... bad for you. This is my own secret thing. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Uh, no, I can totally share this because yeah. it's literally three ingredients. It's, mm-hmm. it's... What do you call this? I the call truffles. them Nutella truffles. Yeah. Nutella truffles. Yeah. Okay, so what are the three ingredients? Sorry so to interrupt. So they are cookie crumbs. I use the peaches. The mm. peach shrapnel is one of my friend calls them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can also you can also uh, you know grind up any 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 dry cookie really. So like an S cookie or a T cookie. Oh yeah. Uh, something like a dry a dry biscuit. Mm. Um, you know, crush it up in the food processor to make a fine crumb, and then I literally that's will a just dry add... fry, fine crumb. There's no moisture yeah. in that at all. No. right? you keep it dry exactly. and not a super sweet cookie. You don't need it to be no, sweet. No, nothing right? super sweet. So right. again, something like a tea biscuit or the S cookies because they're not overly sweet either. Um, and then uh, and then I, I'll put in a big bowl. I'll add uh, Nutella and um, I, you know, I start off with a little bit of hazelnut liqueur, then just start mixing it until I get like a nice enough consistency to roll. If I need a little bit more liqueur, I'll add a bit more liqueur. Mm. <laughs> For people who don't have uh, alcohol. Is there a substitute you could you could, you could use coffee. You could use oh, milk. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. So, so then you, you would get like a nice chocolate hazelnut too. coffee flavor out of that as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This was phenomenal. This was phenomenal. This was phenomenal. That's all I can say. I'm look. Even though I couldn't eat these peaches, I see the value in all the work that you put into this, and uh, and 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 I love the story of like the different ways to make this, and we even disgusting beetle as part yeah. of the origin story. Yeah. That's great. Why Scale not from one to five, how difficult it is, is it to make the peaches? These ones, they're not difficult, but they are labor intensive. Okay. It's it's typically a two-day process. Okay. Scale yeah. from wow. one to ten, the Nutella truffles. Oh, my God. Eleven plus on super easiness. Okay. Like. <laughs> mm. All right. All right. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. So start, like you said, like, listen, try it out in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. This is a simple thing. Try you make a mistake, big deal. Go to the next. Exactly, exactly. So if you are looking to make interesting desserts, uh, we will have these both these recipes links to both of them up, and then also on Fables and Focaccia, you have um, some great stuff. You have some stuffed eggplant that looks really good. Carmela nona Carmela's Melangiani Chini Chini means so it means full like stuffed eggplants. It's the yeah. Calabres uh, dialect for stuffed eggplants. Melangiani Chini. And which word is kini? Kini uh, means stuffed. Stuffed, okay. Yeah. Okay, melanzani I've never seen before. It's, what is the other? Yeah, melanz- uh, oh, that's melanzani. In, in Italian, yeah. it's melanzana. Melanzana, yeah. A, a, a melanzana, thank yeah. you. And melanzani would be uh, the plural form, yes? Yes. Melanzane yeah, would melanzana, be. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But in Calabrese, in the dialect from Calabria, it is... We call them melanzani. Then there's like... And then it, the dialect varies from region to region, yeah. too, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right? So somebody may, may have a little bit of a different twist on how they pronounce Variation, it. Like yeah. your family, Marco, may, may have a different twist yeah, on melanz- saying it. Yeah, melanzane yeah. or whatever. How recent? How interesting that even your Calabrian family pronounces it melanzane. They don't pronounce it, even though you're both Calabrese. No, no, my my Calabrese family would. I think we're not too far from your mm-hmm. town, so I think we pronounce it the same way because that's the way I know my family yes. pronounce it. Where, what town are you from? Where? So my parents are from Reggio. Uh, oh, you know you're Reggio. Okay. Yes, I'm like my parents are Reggio. Okay, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah, I know, well, but you know why? Okay, but anyways, we're all yeah, part yeah. of the we're all part of the boot there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just I was waiting for some award like. I know exactly this world, you know, the way we pronounce onions, 
in in Pakistan and most of Pakistan would be piaz with a z at the end and then you just cross the border and people go piaz with a oh, j oh really okay and a lot of people go i want to vomit just from the sound of that that <laughs> sure. why, why, what's that j doing there and uh, so i was just waiting for that I was waiting for you guys to go, what the fuck did you do? But that, that never happened. This one we, no, no, we came to no, some agreement came, on. Exactly. But there are words that are like, like even for example, uh, the word coffee, I always laugh because the, the even in Calabria and another part, I can't remember if it's Cosenza or Catanzaro, but they have a very hard H sound. So where I will say cafe, uh, they'll say cahe. So they pronounce yep. this H. And it's, we're saying the same thing, but their, their sound's completely off. Mm. <laughs> uh, to go with your cafe, the, you also have Italian donuts. I wanted to show that, which kind of are like a like a cousin of the peach. They look like a little bit. They <laughs> that, look like they're open. That's something that's coming prevalent to uh, mainstream culture. I Bombay. agree. Yeah. I have seen that. You have, I had right? not seen it yeah. prior to maybe three years from now. You know, but three years ago, I'd never seen it. It looks like a. Um, it's almost like a jelly-filled donut, yeah. except instead of being covered in powdered sugar, it's like regular granular yeah. sugar. And, and they're often stuffed with cream, cream or Nutella. Yeah. I also know them. So here's something interesting. In Italy, in the north part of Italy, they'll call them Krafen, yes. right? It's the same donut, right? Same, same, same donut, thing, Krafen, yeah. It's which the German the German, The German influence, you'll call it Krafen. So I've seen them as bomba, which means bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, bombalone means big bomb. Mm-hmm. Or I've seen them as Krafen, which means Krafen. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to uh, just hit one, one point home because you... Uh, Either jokingly or seriously, I don't know, Marco, but you said you know what you're going to make us for uh, for, for Christmas with that uh, panettone, right? Yeah. But you have a few things that are super fr- uh, Christmas-friendly here yes. that I just wanted to, the um, this uh, mastazoli. Yes. Mastacholi. That's how we call it. How do you so call they it? Say mastazoli. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. My family says mastacholi. Yeah. And she we says. say mastazoli, so yeah. it's, you and hear a Z. And we say biscuit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's those. There's the amaretti, which I've seen... You know, in people sort of like gift bags and stuff when yes. they make. Yes. Yeah. And then there's maybe this, we can uh, have you come and do a Christmas episode. Oh, well, that would I be think so much I fun. Think, would you be agreeable to that, Ali? Because I don't want to overstep my bounds. Yes. No, not her. Um, no, no, of course. And but this is where I was going, and I feel like I'm barely going to scratch the surface. And you should come and talk about this. This pining for piñolata, and I've had piñolata before. You probably pronounce it I, differently. Just what to do you be guys call it, Marco? Because oh, oh. I'm curious. Because this goes by like a thousand different names as okay, well. Okay, you've had this. I have. This, this to me, uh, it's I, also I, with a B. Some piñolata sometimes, right? Yeah, this yeah. is uh, it. It has. Oh, it, yes. it, it's in uh, so in some parts of Italy they call it chicherata. That's how we call it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pignolata, um, I can't remember. There's, a, but in the in the in the actual blog post, I've written like uh, a lot of the different names that it can, that it is goes that hard under. to make. I need to know how to make that because to me that really brings me to my uh, Calabrian roots. And m- my mother's from the north; she, she wouldn't make it. I would mm-hmm. only get it when my aunts would make my aunt would make it, or or aunts my father's uh, aunts would make mm-hmm. it. And I miss it so severely. I want to learn how to make it. That one is not the level of difficulty is not is one not, to five. Uh, it would be, I would say like maybe a two three. Okay. Again, it's one of those you things that you need a that deep fryer. You, d- you uh, no, not necessarily. Like a pot, yeah, a pot with oil. Basically, you make the dough, you let it rest for uh, maybe about an hour, and then you roll it out into like a snake formation, and then you cut little little um, bits. You can either roll them into balls, or you can literally just throw the bits in the oil sure. uh, as is. Once they come out of the deep fryer, then you toss them in warm honey. Uh, so I'll usually just warm the honey over a double boiler, yep. toss them in, uh, pull them out, and you can either serve it as a big ring or a wreath. Um, you can stack it as a tree. Hence I it, like it stacked as a tree. <laughs> which is where the name piñolata comes from because okay. it's supposed to resemble a pine, a pine tree, tree and those being the pine nuts. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then I started serving them in like little um, muffin tins uh, just because it's it was more like a personal kind of your own personal piñolata. Muffin paper. Muffin, right? muffin yeah. paper, sorry, yeah. not right. tins. You, hey, listen, you want to serve it in muffin tins? <laughs> By all means, so a little bit weird, a little bit weird, but whatever. <laughs> because it is, I mean, if you're if your family, it's one thing to all be picking at this dessert sure. in the center of the table, but if you're bringing it to like you know a, a function or something, maybe not everybody wants to get their fingers in it. Uh, so I started making it in like little individual portions. This is uh, visually, this is what you know Tim Hortons, Dunkin' Donuts wish they could be. Yeah. Right? This is like a homemade uh, sort of you know these. 
fritters, basically, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. And in the Indian Pakistani culture, there's gulab jamun. It's yes. the same thing. These fried balls mm-hmm. in a rose water yes, syrup. And for you guys, amazing. it's honey. Yeah. The Greeks do something like this. Well, yes, this this, this yeah. would be the Greek influence in Calabria. Absolutely. Uh, because of the honey. Like, there's a lot of honey-based mm-hmm. uh, desserts that are in Calabria. Mm-hmm. And I would hazard to guess it would be uh, the Greek influence. Yeah. There was parts again, of Calabria. again, assume it's false until Jenny tells us Jen? otherwise. But uh, <laughs> No, uh, Marco's absolutely right. Even ooh. the mustacholi, mustacholi, uh, yeah. are also very heavily influenced by Greek and Arabic cultures yeah. because the ingredients in there are not native to Calabria. It's like honey, cloves, uh, you know, those ki- those yeah. types of things. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so we will bring you back for a Christmas okay, episode. Okay, sounds you're great. To I that, am totally agreeable this to is, that. This has been a fun episode for me. I will anyways. be eating sugar properly by the time All right, Christmas perfect, rolls around. Perfect. Enough of this nonsense. I'm going to go until the end of the, uh, November. Come December, it's time to live my life. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, here's a part of my life that I don't really love living. It's now time for What's in Marco's Mouth. Perfect. What's in Marco's Mouth? That's right. What's in Marco's Mouth? It's nothing dirty. Really guessing, really messing. Let's find out. What's in Marco's Mouth? So this is the first time that someone else is bringing the What's in Marco's Mouth. Do I feel threatened? I don't know. A little bit. A little bit. You're going to put your spoon in his mouth? In my man's mouth? Uh, no, I feel great about this. It's good. And we're going to see how he reacts to this whole thing also. Okay, uh, Ali, can you just make sure that I'm not too loud? Am I close enough to the mic, but not too, like, yeah, just everything works? Okay, okay. I'm going to stay where I am. Stop panicking okay. and, and, and speak when spoken to. Okay. You know, the rest of this is all jibber-jabber. I will say this. I did have some water just to cleanse my palate from all the delicious sweetness that I've had. So yeah. I'm not going to use that as an excuse this no, time. No, no, That's not okay. an excuse. This is fantastic. Okay. So, okay. Ali, will you describe what's going to happen? You are? Okay, okay. so... Uh, well, Jenny has got, um, she's taken a little bit of um, stuff. I don't want to give you any No, 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 hints. but like. Basically, a forkful of something is, she, but, is coming towards okay, your Okay, that's mouth. what I need to know because she Open doesn't know to tell me. Okay. Stop speaking. Okay. How about that? All right. Okay. Do you Open need that to mouth. smell it first? Oh, I love to yeah? smell it. Okay, Can okay. I smell it? Okay, tell me when to smell. smell Go ahead, now. smell. Oh, it's got a very savory. I, I feel like there's vinegar. I, there's the, an astringent quality to what I've just smelled. Okay. Okay, ready? Okay. Open. Oh, I bet it's jardiniera. I think it's jardiniera. All right. Okay. No, it's not Jardine, yeah. <laughs> oh, the it's passion got, with which you said it was hilarious. It's got a sweet, oh, it's got a sweet and savory flavor to it. So it's jam-like, but I definitely taste onions. Cipollini onions in it for sure. I'm going to say it's like a dark brown reddish color, and it's got, what is that sweet flavor? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a onion jam, but what's the sweet flavor? It's an onion. It's cipollini onions. It's small onions. Vinegar. Am I wrong? Okay, wait. Okay. Um, can I have another? Can Can you put it in my hand? Oh, Just a little bit. Be That's, messy a, bad That's what a bad idea. <laughs> I want to really get intimate with it. All You're right. not going to get the sweet flavor okay. from the intimacy. Let me just say that. Just the, okay. Listen, so listen, don't do it. Okay, don't do it. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. You got it. Oh, I got it. It is Cipollini jam. No, it's actually. I'm oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I at least guess before I'm yes or no? Okay, it's an onion jam. Oh, I'm just I'm ne- so sorry. You're right. I'm ne- it's not chipotle. I'm so oh, it's sorry. Not I'm okay. so sorry. Can I have another taste of yeah, this? Okay, please. God help me. <laughs> I just need to taste this thing. Okay. 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 Oh, I feel like I'm at the dentist. This is the weirdest feeling. Okay, Jenny, tell me when you're coming okay, close. Open okay. Up. Oh, okay. So much. So much. So much. Huh? This woman sorry. knows how to feed somebody. Hey, it's not just me. It's not just me. <laughs> God damn it. This is. Oh. Maybe it's not onion. Maybe it's, um... <laughs> it's got an onion. It's got a layered... It's not leek. I still taste onion. It's, um, onion jam. I don't know what the sweetness is. It's just, is this just the caramelization of the onion that makes it this sweet? I'm going to go with onion jam. I don't know what else to call it. That's my final answer. I don't know what else. Can okay. I take my blindfold? You can. Your blindfold you can. Off. You, you are... are right on the money, except oh. that they're tropea onions. Oh, okay. So it's calabrese. Okay. They're a very distinct onion from Calabria. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is called a red onion spread, but I don't think anybody in Canada could just use regular red onions and make this type of jam. Mm-hmm. And you're saying it's a specific type of jam. But what's the sweetness? I, in it? Well, I, could... I was okay. saying just give up. Because, okay. Uh, 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 elder juice. Elderberry juice. Really gonna, yeah, I mean, yeah. Elder, oh, uh, elder, <laughs> elder. That wasn't on the tip of your tongue. All right. No. Don't try 
Oh, Kalipo and makes it's this. Made by Calipo, this is this so. is that she mentioned that company earlier. Yes. Yeah, I know. This so, is her people. Red onion, sugar, vinegar. I got the vinegar. Yes, you got the vinegar. Uh, part. Pectin fruit. Pectin fruit. What the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. I know pectin, but I don't know pectin. Okay, probably pectin. elder. It's probably the translation. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. Probably yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, elder juice, salt, bay, bay tree. I'm sure it's bay leaf. Once again, I'm sure. Yeah. And citric acid, ascorbic acid. Did I say that right? I can't even see. No, that took Couple my of acids. I got it right. I got it right. There Jesus you Christ. You see, did. And, and I will say this. <laughs> you're not the only one that puts a ton of food in my mouth when we do <laughs> this there segment. Go. There you go. Good for you to Jesus, know this. I've eaten so much. <laughs> Quite a sugar <laughs> hit in the last like, 45 minutes. <laughs> so, onions. Like, okay, sorry. How no, would you use this, Jenny? So sorry. Okay. This is uh, jumping back to earlier when I'm you were asking I'm just so excited. Me. I got it right, Jesus. Yeah. I got a guest and I got yeah. it right. Okay, and, that's and, all I'm going to say. And the sugar high is helping you, I think, right now. So just to kind of backtrack a little bit to when we were talking about the food trends, I specifically didn't mention the tropea onion because I knew I was going to be feeding you tropea onions. But this is another thing that's becoming quite, quite more prominent. Um, These onions grow in a specific part of Calabria. It's called tropea. Which is by the water. It's got a beautiful beach. Exactly. And they're very sweet. They're these beautifully sweet red onions that when you eat them raw in a salad, like I'm not a raw onion person, but tropea onions I can eat raw because they're so sweet. So you wouldn't even need that much sugar maybe for this. Probably not. Not, like no, once it caramelizes, down. yeah. Uh, so. I would love for you to taste it, but I know you're not off sugar. You're welcome to try it, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. it, it, it's sweet. It tastes like it doesn't. It has the feel of onions, and you feel the sweetness of onions. But it's a jam. Like you could spread so, that well, on. This toast. is my last yeah. question. Yeah. Where where do you put this? Well, Please. just straight up on like some toasted bread would be amazing. Yeah. With some soft cheese, this would be phenomenal oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah like even with hard baked, cheese. Yeah, even with a nice uh, parmigiano or like a crotonese. If we're talking about calabrese yeah. cheese, the crotonese is a is a cheese from Crotone. Uh, not from Crotone. From yeah, yeah from oh from Crotone. Crotone yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. Uh, which is in Calabria, and it is a sheep's milk cheese. Is that correct? Yes. Um, similar to pecorino, but with a different kind of bite to it. Mm-hmm. Is that fa- yes, fair to say? Yes, fair to say. Yeah. In fact, I prefer it to pecorino. Pecorino being a Roman cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. What a great way to, you know, we, we started with some shitting on the Romans. <laughs> we had some in the middle. And now to end with the last <laughs> dump on Romans. I, I mean, I think that's pretty appropriate. I don't know what the hell your problem is. With the Romans, but good for you guys. Good for you. I am a Roman. When you come here on Christmas, mm-hmm. you give us the origin story of why both of you hate the Romans. I don't okay. hate the Romans. You're saying I that, love but the you Romans. Every single time. Caccia, Pepe, Amatriciana. Like I... uh, Jenny, thank you so much for being a part of We look forward to seeing you again. I am excited to, to return, and thank you. I had so much fun. This was a, a whole lot of fun today, and I, I, I love just sharing my stories. If uh, you don't website, have to meet Calabres to enjoy the recipes and the stories, what is the website? We will mention it once again. Fablesandfocaccia.com or you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Food Fables. And look on our show notes. We'll have those links on there as right. well. So including the links to your um, to your recipes yes. for the yeah. things you for brought sure. in that Marco drooled over. Yeah, if you want to really impress guests with a dessert they may not be aware of and you're going to their house. And you're willing to put in the two days of work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or you just want to make yourself a panettone sandwich or a uh, titatone. Or you want to put some money in Jenny's pocket and order (laughs) online, maybe, huh? Start a little business. There we go. Since you're putting the effort in anyway, may as well make some cash out of it. Thank you so much, Jenny. This was wonderful. I'm Ali Hassan. I'm Marco Timpano. I'm Jenny Arena. Until we eat again. We hope you got your fill of eat and drink with Ali Hassan and Marco Timpano. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Eat Drink. Email them your cocktail and food suggestions to podcasteatdrink at gmail.com. Until the next episode, bottoms up.